Let's wholesale real estate. We're gonna wholesale real estate. If you wanna wholesale real estate, then you are in the right place. You don't need no money, you don't need no credit. It's so simple that anyone can get it. Luke's gonna teach you just how to get started. All you have to do is learn and apply it. You are in the right place. You're gonna wholesale real estate. You're gonna wholesale real estate. So let's get started. The founder of the Real Estate Disruptors Movement and is also the creator of the Offers Fast Homes app. All right, guys, Steve is a wealth of knowledge, so it's very, very important that you guys tune in and listen to what he's got to say. So as soon as uh, as soon as Steve gets on here, we're going to start the show, guys. It's going to be a very, very awesome show, um, and we're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. What's going on, Steve? How you doing, man? Dude, what's going on, Luke? Hey, hey, man. Everything's going good? Thank you for taking out the time today, Steve, and uh, doing this interview with me uh, to be able to give people some value uh, out here. So I was just letting everybody know before you got on that you are the founder of the Real Estate Disruptors Movement. That's a podcast, right? That's a podcast. Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome man. And you, and Steve, I know you're a welcome knowledge. I mean, when we, when we met at the We Live uh, 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 2019, it was such an awesome connection. You just had this wealth of knowledge. You were actually one of the speakers up there, right? Yeah, yeah, I got to speak in front of everybody, and you know, it was a very great uh, blessing on Max's, you know, from from Max to allow me to share, uh, you know, my journey and my story with everyone in the audience. So yeah, that was incredible honor to be able to share. Awesome, awesome, man. Um, now, I believe you are on a mission right now to create a hundred millionaires, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Why, you know, what brought you to that, Steve? You know, I think there's just something broken with me, something wired. I'm just wired a weird way, you know, maybe due to my upbringing. But uh, there's this great, great book, Think and Grow Rich. Everyone that's called must have heard about it by now. Yeah. And there, when I read it the first time, when I first got in real estate in 2007, there was a section that really jumped out at me. And it was a reporter asking 18 millionaires that, how in the world did you make that happen? And he said, you're asking me the wrong question they weren't millionaires when they first started working for me. And that's something I always, you know, just stuck it back in my mind. Like if I can create, for me, it was a long time, like 18 millionaires, right? I was gonna do my brokerage and I was gonna do 18 millionaires. And I, since I started the pod bigger, we're gonna have nationwide reach. We gotta, we gotta create a hundred. And given everything I've heard so far, we're gonna surpass that easily. Awesome, that's fantastic. So quick question, tell us a little about you. Tell us about your story. How did you get into this? Uh, well, I got into real estate because I always knew I started as an engineer and I always knew that wasn't the last. I just knew that wasn't meant for me. I did it only because I was good at it, not because I was passionate about it. And so I always knew I was going to start getting my license and I did that for a little bit. I figured this should be really easy. You know, real estate agents aren't the smartest people in the world. So arrogantly, you know, I was like, oh, I should be able to come in here and crush it. I was wrong and I was humbled. So that was good. <laughs> Um, but you know, eventually I figured it out and then I got, I think I did, uh, all I had to do was, you know, buy these bankers, a lot of alcohol, treat them like, treat them like they're hot chicks at the club, get them a service, legit listings. And the only way I knew how to get listings was pay-per-click marketing. So I kind of fell into wholesaling because I was trying to get listed, uh, listings telling sellers I buy their houses for cash okay. and I would, but I never understood why they would take my cash offer it back then. Okay, so so really quick, 
we have a lot of new newbies um, to wholesaling that are that are uh, on this show. So what exactly yeah. what exactly is pay per click marketing? What is that? Pay per click is anytime you Google something, right? You got those three paid ads on the top and all the paid ads on the side. So if you were to Google sell my house, buy my house, then it was basically me or Sean Terry back in 2012. That was it. So and I, I was. I was paying $2 and change per click and $12.50 per registration. Oh yeah, when I stopped doing it last year because it got too expensive, mm -hmm. I was paying $35 a click and over uh, almost $300 per registration. So my costs went up almost, see, more than 20 times. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. Did you see like good results with that? as far as contracts from, from registrations to contracts to flipping deals? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, these are people that are telling you they want your help, right? Like, right now we do a lot of cold calling and texting. These are people that are not asking for our help, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, we're basically harassing them, yeah. but they still want our help. Uh, with Google, they're telling you, Luke, I want to sell my house for cash. So you call them and you work a deal if you can. So the good name is expensive, I wouldn't mind. Mm -hmm. The greatest challenge is that they're clicking on seven different people's websites. So by the time you show up, they're like, I'll give you a perfect example, right? Carlos Reyes, National Cash Offer. They're the biggest guys on pay-per-click in our town. You show up, for sure you're going against Carlos, for sure. And you're going against some other big dogs as well. So if it was just me, I wouldn't mind paying $300 per appointment. Right, right. But it's not just me. So let me ask you this. Those are, for those people listening to this right now that want to get into pay-per-click uh, pay marketing, what would you suggest not to do and what would you suggest to do if you want to take Well, I would suggest not going to pay-per-click until you've got money. Okay. So, so first thing, do the cheap stuff, right? Door knock, drive for dollars, um, cold call. Do the cheap stuff first. Then, when you got money, start texting, right? Because your, your subtrack is around $300 through texting. Now, when you max that out, and it's gonna be really hard to max that out, but once you max it out, then look at pay-per-click. I'll probably, I'll look at pay-per-click before direct mail. I don't do direct mail. Okay. But I can, I, I can tell you, I'm not excited about pay-per-click. <laughs> so why not direct mail though? Is it because of the cost of direct mail versus the other avenue stream that you're utilizing right now to market? Yeah, so, so I got my brokerage, right? Okay. I still have my brokerage. I have over, I have like 110 agents that work underneath my brokerage. Okay. And I still got my traditional real estate team. So on any given month, my expenses are over 30,000. Mm -hmm. So if I have a really bad month on my traditional side, I'm writing a check. And so for me, I enjoy wholesale. That's what attracts me. So if I can keep making 30K a month, spending less than 5K a month, I'm not gonna add direct mail. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense, man. It makes total sense. So how did you how did you get your first deal? What broke that ice for you with wholesale? So so going back to pay-per-click, I was doing it to get listings, right? And yeah. it worked. I was like, Luke, why would you want to get a cash offer? Let's list your house, let's get you more money. And normally that would work. Mm -hmm. But the first time someone says, No, I'll take the cash, like, no, 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 you don't want the cash. You'll make more money listing. It's like, no, I want the cash. I said, Okay. So I bought their house. I was in shock. Called my wife on the way home and said, hey, um, we bought a house today, <laughs> right? What, what did she say to that? She was like, okay, where are we gonna get the money? So I called my parents and they were able to buy it. Mm -hmm. So 
the first house we bought 80%, second house we bought 80% because that's what we were doing as a realtor. Like 80%, you know, that's still enough money. But then after the second person said yes, like, you know what, 80% is probably too much. I want the listing. So I started doing 75%. And that worked for a little bit. But then I was still buying listings. I was still buying properties. So once we ran out of money, then I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do? And that's when I got connected with Jamil Damji with Keegley. It was, there was no Keegley back then. Jamil was just another wholesaler hustling like you and me. Okay. So I connected with Jamil and he was moving my properties that I, that I was, that I was buying and contracting that I couldn't do, I couldn't, I didn't have the funds to close. Got it. Got it. So, so it was like a JV partnership happening. A hundred percent. It was a JV partnership and we were doing 50 fifties. I was making three K. I was happy. No one, I didn't know what I know now. So back then, 3K, dude, that's awesome. You know, that, that, that covered my cost of marketing for the next month and a half. That's how I looked at it. Yeah. Today, hell no, I'm not doing it for 3K. <laughs> yeah. So, so let, me, let me ask you this then. Um, obviously, when, when you had that first deal, it kind of opened your eyes to a way of doing real estate for you, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. how did you feel when you got that first deal? I mean, how much did you make and how did you feel like when you did that? considering you already come from an agent background. You know, it, it wasn't that big a deal for me, honestly. So I'll buy it and then sell it for like 120 and make like 12K, which is like a commission, you know? So for me, it wasn't that big a deal then. But I was only doing like one every few months and it was completely passive. Now we're doing like four plus consistently. It's a lot more fun today. Right now too, right? Hell yeah. Okay. So yeah, our average fee is 15. So, so how did, how were you able to increase your spreads from when you started to now? Like, what did you do differently? The biggest thing is the, the mindset. So there's two things. A, I used to negotiate based off ARV mm-hmm. or market value. If you're negotiating based off market value, you were lost before you even walked in the house. Mm-hmm. So now we negotiate based on how much cash things to walk away from, right? completely different anchor, completely different mindset. If they're negotiating for market value, I already know that it's not gonna be a great appointment, right? Yeah. That's step one. Step two, all the sales training that we've been going through. I've, gone, I've been going through with my sales trainer for 16, 17 months now, so almost a year and a half. So it, it's a whole nother language, whole nother world, the way we communicate on, a, on, on the seller appointment now than before when I walked in, hey Luke, you know, your house is worth 300, I'll give you 240. Yeah. Well, that's not a great conversation. Now it's like, Luke, what's going on in your world? Why do you need to sell? Just list it. Why don't you go list it? Why don't you go get a contractor? Contractor can fix that for you. You don't need me. You can go get that bathroom replaced yourself. Why am I here? That conversation, they're like, no, 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 I really need a cash offer. It's like, okay, well, you need a cash offer. Here's what it's gonna be. So, you, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned up, that you mentioned sales training. Uh, for those who are new to this, right, um, uh, most people have a fear when it comes to talking with sellers. So what would you, what what kind of advice would you give to somebody about sales, about the sales part of doing this business? Boy, if you're not comfortable in sales, just don't get into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, a year ago, you didn't need to be a good salesperson, right? That was me. I, I, I was not a great salesperson. When every my homeowner, let's just think about it. We're all calling the same. We're all reaching the homeowner the same way. Everybody knows about texting now. Everybody knows about Mojo, Zen call, call tools, whatever. 
there's no shortage of information on how to get in front of the homeowner and that homeowner is getting bombarded today. So how do you separate yourself from everybody else? Sales. Mm. Yeah, that's 100%. You know, we, we get it all the time when we're talking with sellers and they're like, this is the fifth, this is the 500th uh, uh, postcard I've gotten this week. Like, like yeah. I don't want to sell my house. You know, they, they start to get agitated. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that you mentioned the sales though, because that is exactly how we are able, even in our business, that's, that's how we get the deal that we get. And m- most importantly, that's how we get like really dark spreads. I mean, our, our average deal here is about twenty to twenty-five thousand a deal, yep. and and we get that from rapport. I mean, rapport is all about you know that's part that's a part of sales too, right? Building oh, absolutely. Rapport. Yeah, you got to build a connection with them. You gotta you gotta get them to like you, and you gotta th- get them to believe in you. Okay, okay. So, mm-hmm. so let me ask you this: um, Maybe you do have a funny story about about rapport building. Do you have one? Uh, well. I, I, I got I got stories about how shitty I was <laughs> a long time ago. Okay, all right. So, so, so what would so what you know? Going back, I have a background in engineering, right? And so, a I'm not the most social person. I'm not. I'm 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 an introvert. I know it doesn't appear to be that way, but I am introverted naturally. Um, and so, being an entrepreneur for 12 years now. I'm all about working on me. I'm all about um, either audio books, reading a book, you know, staying in good shape, whatever. TV is not something that I've enjoyed since I got into the business. So when I got licensed in 2007, I stopped watching the Phoenix Suns. I stopped watching MMA. I stopped watching any television shows. So for the longest time, the only television shows I was still watching were shows I started where I was watching before I started, right? So I finished out House, that was the, you know, that Doctor TV show, yeah. and then South Park, lots and lots of South Park, awesome. and, until I canceled my cable. So once I canceled my cable, then I stopped watching that too. So I had someone, a homeowner, talking about like, what's that nerd show? It's a TV show with all the nerds on CBS. Um, it's got Sheldon. Um, was it, was it the, the Big Bang Theory. The Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory. Yeah. yeah, he was talking about Big Bang Theory, and I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I just, that, right? <laughs> I just don't know what you're talking about. And right there, rapport was lost. Rapport was, I was like, oh, yeah, that's great, right? Versus like, no. <laughs> Should have been like, oh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's a funny show. <laughs> so, so what would you have done differently on that appointment to have gotten that contract? Uh, I would have gone more into his situation, mm-hmm. honestly, and I would have just brushed it off. It's like, yeah, that's a great show, and just kind of moved on. I would have changed the topic, okay. you know. Acknowledge. So one thing that you know, you got kids. Yes. Okay. So kids. when your kid falls down and he hurts his arm or her arm, and you rub it, how magical is that pain relief? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very magical. The pain just goes it's very magical, right? Everything goes away. So today, and I kind of had this epiphany a couple of months ago, when you acknowledge somebody, that's the mental way of rubbing their arm. Mm. You know, when they've got their pain and you label it, like Chris Voss talks about, never split the difference. Yeah. If you label that pain and acknowledge it, yeah. that's the emotional and mental way of rubbing their arm, making them feel better. Wow, that's, that's true. Guys, I, I hope you caught that. That's actually a very, very huge nugget when talking with sellers and dealing with sellers to create that to create that rapport that you need to get contracts. 
give 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 Steve some hearts really quick. Let's let's pause for a second. Uh, give some hearts right now, guys. I want to see some hearts for Steve. He's dropping some knowledge for you right now. Um, and we really what are some challenges uh, in in this process of building your business? I mean, before you know you were doing you had a business with agents working underneath you. Now you got a huge wholesaling operation happening. How did you like what challenges that you faced, and how did you overcome those challenges? You know, the challenge that we face, honestly, I haven't had as much challenge as I normally would because I didn't decide to get into the wholesaling business. I knew about it, yeah. but I got a business partner, Max Jimenez, who's a rock star, who was someone that worked for me on my traditional real estate team and then decided to go, go into wholesaling. And I basically brought him back into my world as a business partner for wholesaling. So there's something that, you know, there's a part of your, your there's, you've got your seasons in your career right? Where you're like, you have to figure out how to do it. You got to learn what to do. You got to learn how to do it. And that's your focus for the longest time. Well, I'm in a season now in my career where I no longer ask how to do it or what I need to do. I ask who I need to hire or partner up with to make it happen. And so when I brought Max on board, my life got way easier. So it might not be the answer you're looking for, but I don't have as many challenges. I guess the challenge I have is keeping him motivated to stay with me because he's doing all the work. So, so how did you manage to do that? I mean, consider, you know, when you when you do have partnerships, you are also allowing the ability for someone to run off with your, you know, with your business plan and do their own thing. So, how how were you able to keep him motivated and just keep him keep him motivated? You know, I, I think the big thing is you got to find a way to create synergy. Um, I think you know, seven habits highly affect the people. Yeah. Um, Stephen Covey talks about one plus one is three. That's energy. Yeah. And so as long as I can give enough value to our business where he's making more staying with me than his own, then we're good. And that's that's where my focus has to be. And it is with a little bit of power. I make sure that everyone's happy and, and, and is content and staying with us. OK, so. What are three pieces of advice that you give to a new just getting started? So the first thing is start. I know that might sound you know simple, but starts. There's so much information, and I'm putting out information on purpose to, to educate and inform. But there has to be a point where you have to just start. And you have to ignore, unfortunately, the people around you. So, you know, my parents... Yeah. They loved me, right? Unconditionally. But they didn't want me to quit my job. They wanted me to stay. I was making the when I quit my job, they gave me a raise from seventy thousand to eighty five thousand. So I was already like, should I stay? Should I go? Should I go into this real estate thing? Yeah. Then my boss gives me a raise to go from seventy to eighty five. I was like, Man, that makes now it's a lot harder. <laughs> but I still did it. But I can tell you, you know, my parents were supportive of of me, but not supportive of my decision. So, okay. so first is get started, and second is you got to go in there with blinders on because everyone that's looking out for you made the wrong decision. Yeah. So, that's that, so that, that that is a very very important uh, point that you made there because you know I I feel like as an entrepreneur that is something that is almost unavoidable. You know, on your path is the people around you. Um, in, in, in a sense, it's kind of like you're leaving them behind, and um, it's not that you want to, but they're just mentally, they're not in that space to want to do what you want to do, or or maybe maybe they're just not risk-taking, you know? 
they're not risk takers, but they're they're gonna feel bad, and honestly, you will leave a lot of them behind. I've had that conversation with a lot of entrepreneurs. They like when they say, like, "Hey, you know, like I'm not, I, my friends are not the same. They're a little. It, it's just different when we hang out." I was like, "I know, that's part of the journey. You just gotta find other entrepreneurs." So like you know, I've reached out to Christina a couple of times. I've reached out to. Um, you know, when I see some of these other guys, they're posting, they seem a little down. I'll send them a message on Facebook or Instagram, you know, like what's going on? Because this is a lonely journey. There's not as many entrepreneurs as there are everybody else. That's a fact. Uh, so Tyler, you know, we were, we were in that room together with Tyler and a few weeks ago, he, he made, you know, posts about like, you know, how aggravating this is. I reached out to him because this is a lonely journey. Yeah. Um, so that's two. And in three, there's no greater investment than yourself. Um, I've personally spent over 200 grand in my own personal development. Uh, so if you're not investing in yourself, there's only so far you can go. Wow, that, that's very important. Like, I feel like people, you know, they, they sleep on that, man, that, that personal development, uh, mental training, education. Um, so what are some things that you would suggest someone to invest in as far as when it comes to your personal development? What is your coach, maybe, uh, maybe a mental, uh, uh, like something like Tony Robbins? Like, what would you suggest? I would start with free, which is Darren Daly. So Darren Hardy's my idol, darrendaily.com. So I would start there. He's all about productivity. Uh, so I would start with Darren Hardy. Um, there's lots of great, um, you know, Zig Ziglar, the traditional stuff. Uh, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. You don't have to go with what's new and hot. Right. Uh, Think and Grow Rich, when I read that the second time, I was like, man, if I would have just read this book 30 times versus all these different books I've read, I'd be just as far. It's an amazing book, you know? Yeah, it is, it is. Napoleon Hill, man. Have, have you watched, I mean, uh, well, not watched, but have you read uh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? Yeah, yeah, I listened to that a few years ago. It was a, good, it was a great, great book as well. So, so what are some other books that you'd recommend besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Because, you know, that's... That's like the Bible right yeah. there. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's for sure the jumping board. Uh, you know, Never Split the Difference is a huge one. That's made a big difference in my business. Traction has made a big difference. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff that's more entrepreneurial, not necessarily tactical. Like, uh, uh, I can't remember the other one, but Jim Collins has some really good books. Um, and... I, I, I would say, you know, audible, you know, I have, I've read over, I've listened to over a hundred books, you know, um, I want to say at this point, I'm probably close to 200 books between what I've read and what I've listened to. And it's a nonstop growth. And the great thing is, you know, the uh, Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. When you're reading books, you're spending time with those people, yeah. right? You're in their world. You're, now you're not comparing yourself to your neighbor. You're comparing yourself to Elon Musk. It's like, shit, what do I have to do to do that? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just, there's a challenge when you're listening to other people's successes. So what right? How difficult it looks and might be a pointless, not maybe pointless, but might be a silly hill to die on. But I want to be number one in Phoenix in wholesale. I think you can do it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. I got my team. I got Miguel Prado right here. He's, he's on the squad. Max was on the, uh, uh, said hi earlier. That's my business partner. Like, my, I got my squad, and we're willing. We're, we're, we're going. We're willing to take on the whole market. 
Yeah. How about Orlando, man? We got, when you gonna come down here? When you guys coming down here? Let's partner up in Orlando. Man, when Mickey says he's ready to take a cash offer, <laughs> I'll come down. All right, awesome, awesome, man. So, so really quick, uh, before we start taking questions, I want to ask you uh, another question. Now, now we are we are at a peak in our market. You know, we're seeing a very, very high peak right now, and it's anticipated that we're going to see a downturn. So, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, what do you think is going to happen during a downturn for for wholesalers, and how should we adjust as wholesalers to be able to stay profitable during a downturn? Uh, so, Max Maxwell posted yesterday or the day before, right? When the tide goes out, we'll see who's swimming with the pants off or whatever, something along those lines. Yeah. So I am not worried myself personally for recession. I look forward to it as they're they're straight wholesalers. They're not entrepreneurs. They're not business owners. And I think you'll find that difference when you listen to my podcast. Like these are entrepreneurs. They're not wholesalers, right? They're entrepreneurs. They're business owners that wholesale. And there's a little bit of a difference, right? And so I think the guys that know only how to wholesale and know only one way to do business are going to have a hard time. And then the guys that are afraid to take a risk because it's going to be greater risk, but the payoff's going to be better too, right? Our fees are going to increase. It's not going to decrease in recession. Our fees are going to go up because all the scared money is going to go on the sidelines. It's going to be great for us good wholesalers. We can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting though because we're going we're gonna to see a lot of people jump out of real estate because of all of the, you know, all of the propaganda that's going to come along with that. Oh, you know, real estate is a downturn. Uh, the market's crashing, yada, 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 yada. Right? And the investors that know, or the entrepreneurs that know, right, they, they're sitting in the sidelines and it's like, I can't wait. We're stacking up the cash right now mm-hmm. to buy property uh, for pennies on a dollar, right? And then yeah. when the market goes back up again, cash out and repeat the process over. You know, it's a cycle, right? It's a cycle. So last recession, and I knew it. I knew I needed to buy more properties. I was just too damn broke because I was just real estate agent. But uh, we, bu- I posted a story a couple of a couple of weeks ago about a property I bought for cash. I didn't buy for cash. I financed it. Okay. Uh, but we, at some point, we were able to with all the wholesale fees. It was just paid off. Yeah. Right. But we bought it for one hundred and twenty in a good area, and it's worth two fifty, two sixty today. But legit, what we paid for. And we had a tenant in there for 10 years that paid on time. The 1200 she was paying per month literally paid off the entire balance in the 10 years we were there. Wow. Right? So yeah. I can't wait to scoop up properties during a downturn. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you mentioned in the beginning with your first deal that, that you were able to, you didn't have the cash to buy the property, right? So mm-hmm. you ended up getting a private lender. You had a private lender in that deal. So how important is it for people in this business to be able to get financing from somewhere for a moment just like this where you could buy property and cash out? How important is that? So it's super important. Now, going back, it was my parents' money, right? Yeah. But you can find money. If you got a deal, you can find money, right? Like I I, I see some of these courses. You got to build your buyer's list. You got to build your buyer's list. No, you don't. You got a deal. You can move it. You got a buyer's list. You can make more. But if you buy a deal... Even in that eighty percent, there is a buyer, right? If you're sending out these deals where you're selling it at like ninety-one percent of ARV, no one's buying that. But you got a property that doesn't need any repairs at eighty percent, you will find a buyer, eventually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you don't 
the, so the, the, the private money, you will find it if you got the deals. That's, that's facts. That's facts. So, so how, so let me ask you this, like how much money is being left on the table on each deal because you don't close on a property and just wholesale it like traditionally to, 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 to a buyer assigning it in our market, you know, we're probably leaving 10 to 15,000, but you know, there's, there's another concept here. You can maximize each and every opportunity, mm-hmm. or you look at the way the banks make money. The banks make money through velocity of money. You know, they even once in a month. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, let me ask you this now, man. How can the audience connect with you? So I am the most responsive on Instagram. So Steve Trang, you should be able to see in the top left corner. But that's the best way to get hold of me. You know, I've got email. That's a black hole. I feel bad but it literally is a black hole. Uh, text messages, I treat just like emails, sadly. So DMs, and I am not the most responsive, but I normally get back within 24 hours. So it's normally when I'm winding down the day, putting my kids to bed, that's when I'm Instagram returning DMs. But my goal is to get to zero on reds, you know, every night. Awesome. And I do it every few, every few nights. So you guys got any questions right now? If you guys got questions for Steve, Write them in the comments section. We would love to answer any questions that you guys have. If you found this very, very, uh, very, very valuable to have Steve on today, drop some hearts, guys. Drop some hearts right now. Show Steve some love. Get that love going, man. So I saw Miguel said earlier, he's waiting for you to invite our whole squad out there to Orlando. Oh, yeah? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. There's so much money <laughs> here for love. Look, look. Disney, Disney is like the anchor here in Orlando. As, as long as Disney's, you know, operational, there's always going to be plenty of properties here, man. It's, it's, I am it's doing my best. I am doing my best to stay focused. But if I were to go, Orlando's number one. Yeah, 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 man. And, and the best part about it, you got kids, Steve, so you can totally take them to the theme parks. <laughs> man, it is so one, you know? freaking human. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so m wants to know so the best list uh so for us we've had a lot of luck with code violations uh code violations has been our best list uh we had a good streak for a little bit with multifamily. we had a good streak a little bit with manufactured uh manufactured homes uh so you know we'll go over we weren't targeting manufactured homes but we noticed that we had some luck so we started targeting those uh, when we do recall violations, we noticed that we got a lot of manuf- uh, multifamily. So we said, screw it, this is called multi though. Uh, but those are the three that have been the best for us. Awesome. So what does it take on homes? How do you really flip a mobile home? Well, we're not, right? We're wholesaling it. But we learned some valuable lessons along the way. Um, it was, uh, we learned about VINs and, and, and making sure it's got ownership, that the person that owns the land also owns the manufactured home. We learned that lesson. Uh, so we took, we went from 125 on the board to 40 in just a couple of weeks because properties got tied up, we couldn't move. Yeah. You know, so that's another lesson, right? We had 125 on the board. We were ready. That was spent. <laughs> and then it turned into 40. So Mr. Lyman asked, what is your best marketing strategy? So cold calling and texting. You know, it's, it's still the grunt. It's the uh, cold calling from the best because most people won't do it. And then texting. Now, 
I hear a lot about Mojo Dollar. I don't do any cold callings, cold calling myself, but actually, have, have you heard of Legion Pro by uh, Scott Scott Oops? Of course. Yeah, we love those guys. Awesome, awesome. So, like, I utilize that, man. So, but for someone who wants to do cold calling, what would you suggest? How would you, how would so, you we still love Mojo. We still love Mojo. We still use Mojo. It's not the best system, right? I mean, there are things that we wish it did better. But at the end of the day, it's the easiest for our team to use. And we want to use what makes our team happy, right? Because calling sucks. So if I can make their lives easier, then let's do it. So we've done Mojo. We went to Zendialer, which was cool. Did some great things. Solved some pains that Mojo gave us. But it wasn't a better experience. So then we went to Call Tools, which is great. You can burn through a list fast with Call Tools. It's really good for that. But again, it wasn't as good for follow-up. So then we went back to Mojo, and that's how we're closing deals again. Awesome. So, M2Lee Man. Yeah. That's, that's where we're still, basketofttracing.com. Use Red for best pricing. Um, you know, we're starting to play with Ivy. We'll see how that goes. Um, they've got some pretty cool features coming out. But right now, Batch is still our leader. Awesome. Belan Raul, what's the best software for vacant land? So, vacant land, huh? We don't do vacant land. We've done vacant houses. We don't do a lot of vacant land. Uh, sorry, I wish I could answer that question for you. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't, I don't touch land, man. It's just, you know, you know, one of those terrains that I'm just not, not, not well prepared. Yeah. I would say if I was if I were to go after land, I would go after tax delinquent because property taxes are really easy to forget on land. So I would go to the county and find who's delinquent on their on their land on their property taxes on their land. If that's what, if I was going to go after that, that's what I would do. Awesome. Do, do you know Do you know if uh, your county has the land available? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, well. With, with the tax deed process, sometimes when they when properties go to tax deed sale and nobody bids on them, they'll have it on a land available list. And you can literally just walk in and purchase the property for what's what's what on the taxes. Like, no, oh, really? Yeah, we don't have that because we're not a tax deed state. We're a, we're a tax lien state. Okay. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. You guys got any questions? Got any more questions? So to so going back to vacant, you know, uh, I was talking about Ivy. So my buddy who made Ivy, uh, he's he's expecting either next week or the week after that, um, they're gonna be give, they're gonna be able to give away um, um, free vacant house data. So verified by the postal service. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Is that is that nationwide? Yeah. Yeah. Let me know about that, man. Yeah, definitely. I will. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me, tell me when you get that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be posting about it. So okay, okay. Yeah, you know the all these guys in, in in the Phoenix market, right? Like they're always coming up with new tools and things they got to do. And hey, if you got a competitive advantage, monetize the heck out of it. Yeah. That's what they do. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I think that's about it, Steve. I I don't see any more questions here, man. Um, I know you're taking out your time, and I really, really appreciate that so much. Guys, I hope you gotten a lot of value out of this interview today. Steve is the man. He's a genius. And I hope you soaked up some of that genius there. All right. So appreciate Steve, you having me on, man. 
No problem at all, man. We're going to have you on again, except this time it's going to be in Orlando. We're going to have you in Orlando next time, man. We, we'll do a podcast <laughs> right at Disney. We'll bring our kids out there, man. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds solid. All right, Steve. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play this out. Let's wholesale real estate. We're going to wholesale real estate. If you want to wholesale real estate, then you are in the right place. Thank you for listening to School of Wholesale with your host, Luke Madez. If you want more information, subscribe to this podcast as well as follow on Instagram at Luke Madez. L-U-C-M-A-D-E-U-S. And if you have any questions, send me an email at flippinglegendary at gmail.com. That is flippinglegendary at gmail.com. Let's wholesale real estate. We're going to wholesale real estate.